You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Been reading through the book of, of Acts these last couple of uh, days, and uh, you know the book of Acts really is kind of it's the age of the church. It's the age that we're in right now. It's the it's the age of grace, the age that that dispensation uh, of God's grace, and it's really really interesting because as you kind of read through the book of Acts and you kind of begin to get the history of the uh, birth of the church that Jesus came to, to found. Paul makes a very, very interesting analogy there at the very end. I shared it um, uh, this, this afternoon in prayer. And at the very end of it all, Paul's imprisoned uh, in Rome. And he's been really kind of meeting with um, Jews and Gentiles. And he's really trying to convince particularly the Jewish people uh, that the promises of God in providing a Messiah had been fulfilled uh, in Jesus. And he makes a very interesting observation that as he kind of testifies to them, some of them are one to the faith, some of them are not. And at the very end, he kind of makes this observation. And he says, when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. And it's very interesting because it comes at the very end of the book of Acts. And he said, the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father saying, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull And with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts in return, and I would heal them. Man, I'm I'm reading that this morning as I'm kind of finishing up through the book of Acts. And, you know, just my prayer to God is simply, God, I want eyes that can see. I want spiritual eyes that that see and and perceive, that understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. God, I want ears. I want spiritual ears that I can hear what the Word of God is saying and rightly discern what the Word is saying to me. Um, And so that's just my prayer tonight, that as we continue in this study on, on healing, that that our ears would not just hear and not understand, but with our ears hearing, there would come great understanding, that our eyes would see, that our eyes would be open tonight, that that we would not see and not be able to perceive, but that tonight, as we see the Word of God with our own eyes, as we look upon the miracle that we're going to talk about, the healing miracle tonight, that we would see and perceive what it is that the, that the Spirit of God is trying to speak to us tonight. So I'm just going to invite you just to just bow your hearts. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. That's religious. But I just would ask you just to bow your heart. And that means just position your heart before God tonight in such a way that, that God would just move in this. Father, we just again thank you for your power, your presence here tonight. And Father, as, as Paul made that observation from Isaiah... That God, there, there is 
Just that perception that there are people who hear, but they do not understand. The Father, there are people who see, but they do not perceive. The Father, there is a place where there can be dullness of heart. And so, Father, tonight I would just ask, Lord, that you would just come and soften our heart, as that, as that worship song said, soften our hearts tonight. Open our eyes, open our ears, God, that we would be able to hear and to see into the spirit realm. That, God, we would be able to understand what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us tonight. And, Father God, in that perception, in that understanding, there would come great revelation. There would come great healing. There would come great freedom tonight. So, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would come and just breathe on your word tonight as we open it up. That, God, you would open up our hearts tonight, God. That we would just be able to receive all that you have for us tonight. And so, Father, I just ask, Lord, you come in power. That, God, you just come in compassion tonight. And, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would come in grace and mercy tonight, Father. We just thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tonight we're going to look at Matthew chapter 8. It is the first recorded miracle, not only in the book of Matthew, but really in all of the New Testament. And although Jesus has been performing many miracles up to this point, this is the first one that Matthew actually records, and it begins there in Matthew chapter 8, verses beginning in verse 1. And it's as if, as Matthew gets this one recorded, it almost kind of just like opens the floodgate. I mean, there's just one healing miracle after another uh, in the book of Matthew. It's just so cool. And there it says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds. Now again, I want you to understand, when they're talking large crowds here, they're not talking 15, 30 people. Okay, that's a, that's a good crowd, but what they're talking about here, when they're talking, I mean, in, in, the, in the Greek, it is great multitudes, not a great multitude, but great multitudes, more, I mean, it, there's, there's not just one great multitude, there are several great multitudes, that's what it means there, large crowds, not a large crowd, large crowds. I mean, we're talking probably at this time anywhere from 25, 50, 75, maybe even 100,000 people. This is, these are the kinds of crowds, multitudes Jesus is beginning to attract. And so as he's coming down from the mountaintop, it just says here, large crowds, great multitudes followed him. A leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Or some translations, I like it better, it says, you are able to make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing. Or in the Greek it says, I will it. I am willing. Be cleansed. I want you to notice the progression there. Jesus stretched out his hand. You didn't touch people with leprosy. That was a no-no. You would become unclean if you went up and touched or came in contact with someone who was a leper. Notice what Jesus does. He touches him first. 
then declares him unclean. Jesus wasn't, I mean, there's, there's a, if you understand that the, the reproach of leprosy, I mean, it's, it's one of these things, people would see you coming from a distance and they would begin to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. If they're coming down the same side of the street as you are, you crossed over onto the other side, you got as far away from them as fast as you could. So they were used to kind of being ostracized. They were used to not having any human contact, much less uh, uh, someone touching them. And so there's kind of this, I think, emotional scars. There's this emotional woundedness there. And Jesus, kind of before he heals him, Jesus touches him. Man, there's just something powerful about that. And so Jesus touches him and says to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go. Show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. There are going to be three things that I want to bring out in this one short story, even though it's only four verses long. There are some really powerful truths in here. First one is, these four verses tell us, and I think it's why it's the opening, why it's the beginning one, is it says that it's God's will to heal in all cases. I've, I've hammered this point home. Again, this is one of those healing miracles, in my opinion, that really kind of reinforces that point. It is the will of God to heal everyone always, okay? This man had no problem, as you can tell by his approach to Jesus. He had no problem with Jesus' ability to heal him. He says, if you're willing, I know you're able. Man had no problem with Jesus' ability to heal. What he questioned was Jesus' willingness. If you're willing. I know you're able. Are you willing? That's what he was asking Jesus. No one doubts today. I don't think anybody here would doubt that, G that God has the power. Jesus has the power, the ability to heal people. I think what everyone questions at some point is his willingness to heal. I know, God, you can heal me. Jesus, I know you can heal me. But what I'm having trouble getting my mind wrapped around, what I'm having trouble kind of moving beyond is, are you willing I don't question your power or your ability to heal. What I question is your willingness. That's the issue that really kind of was in that man's mind. And I think it's an issue that's in the mind of a lot of people. I know it is for me at times. When I'm struggling with sickness or I'm in a place where I just need that healing touch of God. You know, oftentimes, again, we kind of want to go through that list. Have I done enough to earn, to deserve this? I know you're able, I just don't know if you're willing based upon my performance. So there in verse 2, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds, not only am I willing, or not only am I able, not only can I, I'm willing. I love that. Point two, we find the inseparable link between sin and sickness. In other words, we have a sickness here tonight that we're going to talk about that really is a type of sin. It is a representation of sin. 
Now, leprosy throughout the word of God, if you know anything about that disease, is it is always referred to, it's always a representation of sin. Now, it's amazing to me that we have a sickness here that we're going to deal with tonight that is the result of sin. Because we're going to find out the next point builds on that. So point one is, it's always God's will to heal. Point two, there's an inseparable link between sin and sickness. And point number three, and this is the one I've been hammering home pretty much every week, is Healing is in the atonement. Atonement is necessary for the removal of sickness and disease. Now, the one thing that's interesting to me about leprosy is that it was not treated by a doctor. It was diagnosed and treated by a priest. Surely this was more than just a sickness. As I says, it, it's a type of, it's representative of sin. And because of its link to sin, a priest was the one who was to handle it. So again, the leper, Jesus sends him off to the priest. Jesus says, don't tell anybody, but just go off to the priest and show yourself to him. Now, the disease of leprosy is actually found in Leviticus 13. And in Leviticus 14, you kind of find the, 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 the cure or the remedy but again, what we have here is a description of sin in the word of God. And this description of sin is a disease. We have a description of a leper and here we have it closely associated with sins of people. We'll get more into that uh, in just a second. Now again, the reason we have them so closely linked together in Scripture is because sickness and disease actually began with sin. Now there are people who, again, always try to separate sickness and disease from sin and try to remove it from the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Remember, if, if, if it was provided for in the atonement, and that's when Jesus hung on the cross he bled, his body was broken, his blood was shed, he died on the cross. That's what I mean by atonement, okay? And we all know that forgiveness of sin was provided for in the atonement. What people try to separate out of the atonement is, is that sickness and disease was not provided for in the atonement. Tonight, I'm going to show you exactly what the priest did to pronounce healing for leprosy. And it is, it smacks. I mean, if you don't see atonement in this, you don't understand atonement. So the reason, again, is because sickness began with sin. I want you to know sickness doesn't, is not always directly uh, the result of personal sin. So don't walk out of here saying, oh, the pastor said if I have sickness or disease, it's because I sinned or did something wrong. No, that's not always true it is true in certain cases leprosy being one of them okay where, where there is sin or rebellion involved in that okay but not all sickness not all disease is the direct result of, of sin okay but it is the uh, direct result of sin that entered into the human race back at the time of Adam now up until Adam and Eve fell in their relationship with God there in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness or disease upon the earth. 
The Word of God declares in Romans 5.12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So again, what Adam and Eve did there in the Garden of Eden, he caused a curse to come upon the whole earth. And we are born today with this nature of flesh. And because of that nature of the flesh and the rampant sin upon the earth today, there's a disease called sickness. And that's on the earth as the direct result of the original sin of Adam and Eve. Had Adam never sinned, he would not have opened the door for sickness and disease to come in. Therefore, when Jesus went to the cross... And again, he, he body broken, bloodshed, he atoned, he made provision for forgiveness of sin and the removal of sickness and disease. And he did it by just hitting it at the root cause, and that cause is sin. So when Jesus conquered sin on the cross, he also conquered sickness and disease because the root of that sickness and disease regardless of what it is is sin and therefore when Jesus came to redeem us forgiveness of sin the removal of sickness and disease okay Jesus fulfilled Psalm 103 verse 3 did we pray that today in the prayer room we did, okay. And so, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all my iniquities, my sins, and heals all of my diseases. He fulfilled that promise to us. So again, we have here sickness, and leprosy is a type or it is a representation in the Word of God of sin. So let's talk about leprosy. What is it? How is leprosy a type of sin? Well, first of all, leprosy begins as something that is unnoticeable, okay? It's imperceptible. You can't see it in the beginning, it starts in your blood system, and eventually it kind of just works its way out, and it will manifest itself visibly on the body. Therefore, it kind of begins, it's kind of unfelt, it's unseen. Its beginnings are described again in Leviticus 13, verses 1 through 3, as something that is very small, um, and they were brought to the priest in the very beginning. If there was a small spot that was noticed and they didn't know what it was, they would be brought to the priest, the priest would look at it, and then for the next seven days, that individual would be quarantined. After seven days in quarantine, they would be brought back to the priest to see if it had spread. If it had not spread, then they figured it was not leprosy. If it had spread then what they would do is they would quarantine them again for seven more days just to make sure it could be something else. But after he had been quarantined two or three times over a seven-day period and the thing kept growing and spreading, he was decided at that point to have leprosy. And the next thing that happened to him was they were banished. They were, they were taken outside of the city. 
And they, they had to just kind of dwell somewhere out in the country, the rural area. And sin is like that as well. Sin kind of begins uh, on the inside of us, unseen. It's imperceptible to others. We may not even be aware of it. So it starts small. It's kind of unseen. And then it begins in the heart, on the inside of us. And then as we entertain that sin in our hearts, it kind of just begins to work its way outwardly. And eventually it will manifest itself outwardly in behavior, in thought, word, and deed. But it will begin, again, imperceptible and eventually manifests itself on the outside. So here we find leprosy like sin has a small, insignificant beginning. Sometimes sin will give no warning of really the great destruction it's about to bring upon us. Secondly, leprosy is inherited and it is communicable. It's received through birth. So it can be hereditary. It can be passed down. But it can also be transferred as a communicable disease. Again, it's infectious. We, we prayed this, I think, even again today in the prayer room. We pray against generational sins, things that are passed down to us from our forefathers. That's why, it, again, it's a type of sin. If you hung around a person who had leprosy long enough, okay, you yourself would catch it. It's kind of like sin, okay? Bible says in Romans that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory, the righteousness of God. You hang around sinners long enough and you'll start to adopt their sinful ways and attitudes. Again, there are just some very common parallels between sin and leprosy. And that's why the Bible views it as kind of a type uh, of sin. Again, the person had to be quarantined. They were taken and separated from those who were well and were fit. And they were banished to a place where the Bible kind of refers to it as outside the camp. Outside the city. And that was always, again, a reference to sin. If you were outside the camp, if you were outside the city, you were there because you were in some kind of sin. Jesus was crucified outside the the city, outside the camp. Because why? Jesus took our sins upon himself. And because of that, he was outside the city. He was outside the camp. Interesting thing about leprosy is it spreads without feeling. You don't feel it. It just kind of, you look down and eventually, whoa, there it is. Leprosy can be a state of living death. Eventually, after leprosy goes so far, it can render a person blind. What does the word say about sin? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, For the God of this world has blinded the mind of them. See again how, how closely linked leprosy is with sin? For the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in. And again, go back to what Paul said there at the very beginning, of, uh, at the very end of Acts. There are people that, that, that they, they see, but they don't perceive. They hear, but they don't understand. This is the same thing. And finally, last of all, no one in society was exempted from leprosy. I mean, you had the poor, the rich, everyone. In fact, there are three cases recorded in the Old Testament of people who had leprosy. Although there were probably many more that had it, 
there were three specific cases are recorded. And all of them, interestingly, referred to people who were considered well-to-do. Okay? Again, leprosy doesn't discriminate. Men and women, rich and poor, were affected. It didn't matter what part of society you were from. If you were Jewish or Gentile, you, were, you had the potential of being affected by this. So leprosy didn't care about race, nationality, sex, creed, color, you know, social status. Leprosy could infect and affect anyone. And this is why leprosy, again, is a type of sin. All of us have been infected and affected by sin. Our own sin, the sin of others. First case of leprosy we have recorded in the Word of God was Miriam. And that's found in Numbers 12, 10 through 15. And again, I think it's interesting. Her leprosy came on as the direct result of sin. She rebels against her brother Moses. She rebelled against him. She goes against his authority, trying to take over the authority for herself along with Aaron. And suddenly, she is leprous. And I mean, it's not just a spot. The Bible says she is suddenly, all at once, leprous from head to toe. She was declared to be unclean, but thanks be to God she had a brother like Moses because he interceded on her behalf. And as he prayed for her, the leprosy left just as quickly as it had come upon her. God healed her on the beseeching intercession of her brother Moses. Next of all, we have King Azariah in 2 Kings 15.5. Again, he's a king. This did not discriminate. King Azariah rebelled against the Lord. He did not follow in the steps of his father, who had been a good king. But King Azariah, he rebelled against the Lord, went his own way, and ended up with leprosy, and he died in leprosy. And again, he was a king. The last one is Naaman in 2 Kings 5.1. And Naaman was not a Jew. He was a Gentile, but he was also a very wealthy, wealthy man. Traveled this great distance from the Gentile country over to Jerusalem where he was looking for the prophet Elisha. Elisha. Naaman had heard there was a prophet in the land who could heal. And so Naaman went there. And you know the story of how he was delivered. Had to dip in the river Jordan seven times. Now that's interesting to me, the river Jordan, because it's the same river Jesus was baptized in. It was the same river where that anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the word declares in Acts 10.38 how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness and disease is an oppression. I mean, the, the very word dis ease. You're not at ease with sickness and dis-ease. Jesus came to liberate us. He came to free us from the oppression of sickness and dis-ease. So we have a man here, Naaman, who's baptized in the river, and he had to go down seven times. Seven is the number of what? Perfection. You know what? That's the very thing he did not want to do. He did not want to go and dip in that dirty, filthy river. And he said, hey, there's cleaner waters around. Why don't you send me to someplace cleaner? Why do I have to go dip in that dirty, polluted river? I'm so glad Naaman had a servant with him that said, look, 
If he asks you to do something really difficult, you do it. This is real simple. All you got to do is go down into that river and dip seven times. And you know what the Bible says? That when Naaman came up the seventh time, he had skin like a baby. God healed him. And again, the river Jordan is kind of a representation or a type of death. It's also a type of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there just came a day when we submerged ourselves in Jesus and we came back up, all of the former things were dead and passed away and everything became brand new. Just like it did for Naaman, that seventh time up, it's gone. He's healed, he's whole, he's clean, he's free. Same thing happened to us when we dipped into Jesus. Leviticus 13 again describes what leprosy is like, how it spotted, what they had to do to them, all the procedures of quarantine, how they had to wash out their house, scrub their clothes, all these different things. Let's look at Leviticus 14, beginning in chapter 1. And the Lord said to Moses, now God's giving this instruction to Moses. He said, the following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from leprosy. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest, again, not to the doctor, the priest, because it's a type of sin, who will examine them at a place outside the camp. If the priest finds that someone has been healed of leprosy, he will perform a purification ceremony using two live birds that are ceremonially clean, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. Now again, if the man was found who had leprosy and now had suddenly become clean, he just calls out for the priest to come. The priest was the one that diagnosed it. The priest has to be the one to declare him clean. So he probably calls out to the guard at the gate. Remember, he's outside the city. He's outside the camp, not in the city. The priest is in the city. I need you to go find a priest. The guard may say, why? The leper would say, because I'm healed. And I cannot come back into the city until the priest comes and declares that I am clean. So the guard goes into the city and he says, hey, one of you priests, there's a man outside the city, outside the gates, and he is telling me that he has been cleansed of leprosy. One of you need to come and inspect him. So then the priest walks out there, examines him, and sure enough, if he looks clean, if there's not one spot on him, again, it doesn't say how he got healed. All we know is he had leprosy, now he doesn't, because again, leprosy is incurable in those days. It took a miracle to heal leprosy in those days. You can't cleanse yourself of sin. It, it, again, it's a type of sin. You can't do it. It takes a miracle for us to be declared without sin. It takes the atoning work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And again, by atonement, I mean his body was broken. His blood was shed. He died on the cross. That's atonement. And only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you and I from unrighteousness. We cannot cleanse ourselves of unrighteousness. But here is this man suddenly, and we don't know why. Whenever they would be declared clean, we don't know how it happened. Once he's declared clean, the priest goes out and he gets two birds. Not only does he get two birds, I kind of brought, I, did, I, I, I tried using live birds. They kept flying away. 
So I actually was playing a joke on Jason. I don't remember. Oh, it was, there was, I, won't tell you, I won't tell you the joke. Um, I was playing a joke on him one day, and so he kept these birds in his office, and I remembered that, so I went and got them today. So basically, this is what the priest needed. He needed two live birds. He needed scarlet thread. He needed cedar sticks. And he needed, I don't know that this is literally hyssop, but we're just going to pretend that it's as close as I could get on short notice. Hyssop, okay? So the priest would go and he would get those items. And then, here's what it says in Leviticus 14, beginning in verse 5. The priest will order that one bird be slaughtered over a clay pot filled with water. He will take the live bird, the cedar stick, the scarlet yarn, the hyssop branch. He'll dip them into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. Then the priest will sprinkle the blood of the dead bird seven times on the person being purified of the disease. When the priest has purified the person, he will release the live bird in the open field to fly away. So basically what he does is he's going to basically kind of take with two, two live birds, he's going to take one of the live birds, he is going to take the cedar stick, he is going to take the scarlet thread, and he is going to bound the little bird to the stick. And then what he's going to do is he's going to take and he's just going to sacrifice the, the one bird over this base or container of water. So as he's doing this, the blood of this one bird is going into the water. He will then take the hyssop and he will dip that in the blood, and he will begin to sprinkle that over the man who is declared or, or, or clean. And so that's what he's doing. He's just basically doing all of that, and then the other bird gets set free. What does this remind you of? Yeah. That's why I'm telling you. They, they, didn't, they saw this. They just didn't understand it. The people that Paul was talking to there in the book of Acts, the Jews, they saw this. They just didn't understand it. And because of that, they weren't healed. There's a place in Scripture where it talks about there were times where the presence, um, the, the power to heal people was present, but they didn't get healed. Why? Because they couldn't see, they couldn't hear. Folks, this is the atonement. So powerful. When I saw that, I, that was like, that's it. I'm, I'm sold. I'm in. Healing's in the atonement. You can't convince me otherwise. We have atonement. In atonement, there is substitution. And listen, that bird that was slain represents Jesus. That free bird, the one that got set free, that represents you and me. But they took the bird and the priest strapped him with the string and they took the string and they used the bird and tied him to that cedar wood so he couldn't fly off. Next of all, they just took the bird, cut it open. The bird, the blood ran. As they cut the bird open, it died. They put the running water over it and they just kind of did that. And that's how they did the purification ceremony in the Old Testament. They took that hyssop, that blood, dipped it into the blood and they just sprinkled it seven times like Naaman. Seven times, the number of perfection. 
and he was declared to be clean, and they took the free bird that was still alive and let him go free. Man, that is just glory to God. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot separate sickness from the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. Where did he forgive your sins? Where did he heal all of your diseases? On the atoning work of Christ upon the cross. Let me tell you what. You should have been the bird that was slain. Jesus should have been the bird that was set free. But Jesus deliberately took our sins, our sickness, our disease, your curse, and the innocent one was slain. And through his blood and through the flow of the Holy Spirit, we have been born again of blood and of the water. And with the two together, we are declared righteous. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why did he do that? So we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what? You and I are free today. Because Jesus Christ has died for us. You've heard it. Do you hear it? You've seen it. Do you understand? Turn back over again. Look at Matthew 8. I'm going to read it again. Then we're going to close. When Jesus came down from the mountaintop, large crowds followed him. A leper came to him, bowed down and said, Lord, if you are willing, you are able, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and said to him, not only am I able, I am willing, I will it. It is my Father's will for you to be healed. I only do what I see the Father doing, Jesus said at one other place. And immediately his leprosy was gone. Do you realize what you've got there in that picture? There are two birds in that story. One in front of the other. One was to be slain. One was to be let go. And Jesus touched him. And in that touch we have identification. We have the work of the atonement. And this man received the healing power of Jesus into his life. That same power that Jesus was anointed with at the river Jordan. But notice Jesus told him there in the next verse. He said see to it that you tell no one but go. Show yourself to the priest. Present the offering. That's what I just showed you. That Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now it didn't mean that Jesus didn't want him telling anyone. Jesus is simply saying before you go anywhere else I want you first to go to the priest I want you to present yourself to them and then I want you to command them to give the testimony, give the offering um, that is commanded. Present the offering Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As a testimony to them. To who? The priest. That's the testimony Jesus wanted given in this. You go to them. You present the offering commanded by Moses as a testimony. A witness to them. To those priests. Let me tell you what Jesus was doing. He sent the man to the priest. And that man went up there and said, hey, my name's so and so. I need you to pull my file 37 years ago, my name was put on that list of lepers. I want you to pull it out. I want you to find it there. 
And the priest would say, well, why would we do that? And he said, because I've been healed. I met a man named Jesus, and he healed me. Pull out my name. He sent me to you. He told me to come to you. On top of that, I'm supposed to give some kind of a gift, an offering that Moses commanded. And I have no idea what he's talking about. But he said, you guys would know what I'm talking about. Now, I'll guarantee you. A year's wages, I'm this sure of it. As that man went there, I'm sure some of those priests stood around looking at each other because they had no idea what he was talking about because they had never seen anybody healed or cured of leprosy. There was probably dust all over the scroll of Leviticus 14 because it had only been used twice in all of history, Miriam and Naaman. They had never used it since then because no one had been healed from leprosy, but Jesus comes along and heals a man with leprosy. And just because they had to pull out that scroll was the first indication that the Messiah was here. They looked at him. They looked at each other. They didn't know what to do. They searched through to find out what to do, and they opened up Leviticus 14, and it says, if he be healed. How did he get healed? We don't know how he got healed. How did you get healed? It said, very simple. This man named Jesus laid his hands on me, and my leprosy disappeared, and he told me to come and to see you. Why did Jesus send the man over there as a witness to them, a testimony to them? I have come, the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures that spoke about the Messiah who would come. He is here. What is healing a witness for? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It was one of the greatest evangelism tools in the New Testament. The removal of leprosy was more than just removal of leprosy because this man would have gone to heaven with or without the leprosy. The whole thing, Jesus did it as a witness, a testimony to the priest. You see it, but do you perceive it? You're hearing it. Do you understand it? What are miracles for? A witness of Jesus What's healing for? A witness of Jesus. What's the supernatural for? A witness of Jesus. Because whether or not your arm is healed, your back is healed, your head is healed, if none of those things do or don't happen, you're still going to spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus. He just wants you, through that healing, to drag a whole lot more people with you into the kingdom of God. That's exactly why Jesus did it. It's why he used it. And it turned around as a witness, even to the religious people, a testimony, a statement. The Messiah has come. John said, do we look for another? Are you the one or do we look for another. Jesus was sending a testimony to them to say, you don't need to look for another. The Savior, the Messiah has come. And I want you to know he has come 
And he's gone back into heaven and his presence is still there. Jesus is very much alive and living in us through the Holy Spirit. And because of that, his healing power, the very same power that flowed through him, the very same power that healed others, that power lives and dwells in us by virtue of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in us. His healing power is still here and it's the same power that delivered that man from leprosy then. It is the same power that raised the dead. It is the same power that can deliver you and I from sickness and dis-ease today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus healed in the New Testament but doesn't heal now, he's not the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're here tonight and you need healing, you don't have to sit there and question whether he is able or he's willing. Tonight, through this scripture, Jesus has said to you, I am not only able, I am willing. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? Has your heart become so dull? that you can't receive what he so freely has to give and to offer tonight. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have come. You have given us a witness. You have given us a testimony of both your willingness and your ability to heal all everywhere always you have settled the matter God would you give us ears to hear that truth tonight would you give us eyes to see that truth tonight God would you heal our hearts from disbelief from a lack of faith God, from maybe having to perform to earn or to achieve or to deserve this. God, would you just free our hearts from that tonight? And know that, God, you don't heal because we deserve it. You heal because it is your will. It's who you are. It's an outflow. It is a manifestation of your love tonight, God. We want to flow. We want to receive that love tonight. So Father, I just pray for any who need healing here tonight. And God, it doesn't just need to be physical healing. There may be emotional scars. There may be emotional damage in here tonight, God, that just needs to be healed. There may be relationships in here that tonight just need to be healed. That we need to forgive and to let go. So God, whatever healing tonight needs to be manifest in this place, Father, I just pray now that by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, that God, you would come and God, you would move. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that that power that raised Christ from the dead, that power through which Jesus healed, 
that that power lives, it dwells in us by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, God, we just step out in that authority. We step out in that mandate. We step out tonight in that commissioning as you commissioned your disciples, as you commissioned the 70, you gave them power and you gave them authority over the enemy. You gave them power and authority over sickness and disease. And tonight, God, we step into that authority. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would just cause us to be bold tonight. That nothing is too difficult for you. That as we're united with you tonight, God, you make all things possible. So, Father, I just thank you for that. Thank you again for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Father, just ask, Lord, that you would just come and just meet us in our place of need tonight. We just thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.